This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me today in the studio are the Toledo Symphony's principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, also the TSO's director of marketing, Vanessa Gardner, and by phone we have our intrepid music director, Elaine Trudell. Now, we also have two very special guests joining us in the studio today. And I do have a fanfare, but since they're here to talk about two different programs, I just put these two fanfares together. Here, see what you think. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. (laughs) Welcome, please. Wow. You had to actually, like, do that. I did. Plant, plant, plant. Yes, okay. you know, I spend a lot of time on this program, <laughs> as we all know. Please join me in welcoming Ann Heckler. Welcome, Ann. And welcome to Keith McWaters. Keith, you're returning to Symphony Lab. You were here before. And you are a Symphony Lab newbie. So we're going to hear from you in just a little bit. Um, now, the last time that you were here, Keith, I, I don't know if you remember this, but you were on the St. Patrick's Day special. I don't know if that was the last time you were on. That you remember that episode, right? I do remember that episode. That was you, indeed. Well, you told your story then, so we're not going to make you tell your story now. I wouldn't remember. Do you remember uh, <laughs> when we did the when we did leprechaun names? Yeah, I do. But I don't remember what mine was. I think your leprechaun name was Keith McWaters. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I wear it well. No, it was actually Twitchy McPixie. Remember that? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was Tweedle Greentooth. Merwin was Merwin. Do you remember your? I don't remember. Mini Twinkle Toes. Ah. Yeah, Mini Twinkle Toes. Mini Twinkle Toes. So I promise not to <laughs> call you all. Like I will have none of it. <laughs> I think mine was Doug. Yeah, right. You were Doug. That's an inside joke. Now people have to go back and dig through all, you know, 200 podcasts in order to figure out what Doug is all about. Elaine, were you on that episode? I don't think. No, I wasn't. Yeah, okay. No. You you were just there in spirit. But I, I am green with envy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> oh. Very, very, very nice. Here, I'm Bum, looking. Bum, shoe, brother. <laughs> I do have it here somewhere, but I always, you know, my eyes are getting worse as we speak anyway, so I can't see where they are on the soundboard. So, okay. So, Keith, we're not telling your story, but Anne, we are telling your story. And, and we have some music, and when I say we, I mean I, have some music <laughs> selections for you to choose from as a background for you to tell us about yourself. I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of each. You tell me which one you want, okay? This one is called Anne's Slow Motion Happy Dance, okay? I think I'm going to pick that one. Oh, you haven't heard the others yet. All right, here's the next one. Anne's Funky Funktastic Dance. Funky dance. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, and Keith, I expect you to illustrate this one for us. This is the Anne's 90s power anthem dance. (laughs) And Elaine, just so you don't feel left out, I've got your uh, walk on music here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Yep. So, and which one will you choose? I'm going to go with number one because I want to be able to sit still while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah. You are chair dancing right now, which is amazing. And you walked in here this morning in crutches with a fractured foot, which is, as you pointed out, ironic for a, a dancer to be in that position. Well, it's very ironic, but yet it's not because my story starts as a little girl when my parents put me in ballet because I was clumsy. Uh, <laughs> really? Really. So was there any event that directly precipitated that? I mean, did you fall down the stairs or I something? They were like, ballet. was wearing wool socks and ran down wooden varnished stairs. <clears throat> wow. That so I was right. That's <laughs> <laughs> not often, but it does happen. Indeed. So that's your story. How old were you when this happened? Oh. Last week? Five weeks ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you were a little kid. Oh, I started ballet at like four. Yeah. And, and what do you love about the ballet? I mean, what is it that appeals to you that you stayed with it for so long? I love teaching. I love ballet. I love watching ballet, and I love teaching. Yeah. So at a certain age, we won't say a number, you move on from being a dancer. And that wasn't hard for me because I just love watching it, and I love teaching it. And I feel like my um, my passion is teaching ballet, but my calling is teaching those that would not otherwise be able to take dance and give them an opportunity to dance. So I teach adaptive dance. Wow. And we should probably mention that you're associated with Toledo Ballet, and that's why you're here. You're not just some <laughs> random ballet dancer we picked off the street. Are you a ballet dancer? Are you a ballet dancer? <laughs> yeah. So what happened then? After that, I mean, you sort of have skipped the interim part between being a little girl and where you are now. How did you get to, to into teaching? That's a good question. So I think I would say I was like your average dancer <laughs> girl. I wasn't extremely talented in the elementary age. And I think, honestly, that helps to make a good teacher because... I did progress. I got a scholarship to go to college for ballet, and I got an education major and a dance major. <coughs> but again, my passion is teaching. <clears throat> I love ballet, but I'm not going to be a dancer now at my age. So when you look at a student, I look at that child and see that's where that child's at. And this is what that child can do. Not, oh, that child has a 180-degree turnout. Maybe that child I'm going to work with a little bit more. Mm. Just it helps me to be able to look at each person individually. And that's what helped me to want to be an adaptive dance, start an adaptive dance program at Toledo Ballet. It's for people on autism spectrum disorder and with Down syndrome and basically anybody that can't fit into a traditional, typical ballet class. <laughs> Great job. And almost timed perfectly with the music. That's why I wanted you to keep going because you still had like a minute left gotcha. so, <laughs> of music. Well, let's talk about uh, one of the reasons that you're here is we, we want you to uh, talk a little bit about what's going on with Toledo Ballet, especially this, this gala that's happening on, on Friday at 7.30 p.m. at the Valentine Theater, Dancing Wheels. Dancing Wheels, which is an organization based in Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? It's a professional dancing company that includes mm -hmm. ambulatory and non-ambulatory dancers. So you've got professional men and women dancing in wheelchairs and not in wheelchairs together. <clears throat> yeah. One of which is a girl that's a woman that's very dear to my heart. Her name is Mackenzie. And I had her when she was a little girl in ballet. 
And one of the reasons she's really dear to me is she approached me to see if she wanted if she could help me with my adaptive dance class at Toledo Ballet. And a qualification for a teacher's assistant in that program is just being able to have non-judgmental awareness. And she has that. And so she did it and she did great. And then fast forward, then that was when she was probably in like ninth grade. And then moving <clears throat> forward till she's a senior in high school and she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with go to New York and get a ballet career. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and I suggested she try dancing wheels because it's a healthy environment. It's a healthy physical environment. Um, and she did, and she made it, and then she started dancing with that company. And now she's teaching adaptive dance with that school. Wow. And she's coming back <laughs> to Toledo to perform in our gala. That's fantastic. Well, it must be very rewarding for you to see students blossoming, and, and especially the ones that make dance such a big part of their lives. And yeah. particularly, as I said, for me, she sees each student as a student and really has blossomed in the adaptive dance world. Now, there are some beautiful videos of Dancing Wheels at their website, which is simply dancingwheels.org. And people can go there and sort of prep up for the concert. And, and because I don't think that necessarily a lot of people think of, you know, dancing like that, dancing in wheelchairs, as it were, as being such a beautiful, expressive art. And it really is. Combined with... Uh, as you mentioned, able dancers as well. So you have this mix of the two. Um, the program that you're performing, I mean, is, is it something that they do normally? Do they have a set program that they're collaborating with Toledo Ballet It's on? a good question. First, just like any professional dance company, they have, an un they have a set um, opportunities to perform different pieces. And so they're bringing several of those pieces. Okay. And then beyond that, Mackenzie... And her partner, named DeMarco, are coming, and they set a piece, meaning they used some of the Toledo Ballet dancers and set choreography for them to dance with DeMarco, the man who is non-ambulatory. And so they'll be dancing with them. So our Toledo Ballet company dancers will be dancing with a professional non-ambulatory dancer. Okay. And then those dancers are also performing. Some of our Toledo Ballet dancers are performing on their own. In a piece, in another ballet piece. Right. Oh, and then one more little thing. So Mackenzie was nice enough to ask if one of my students at Adaptive Dance wanted to be in the piece. So that'll be the first time ever. And I think I started this program in 2009 that one of the students from Adaptive Dance will be integrated into one of the Toledo Ballet productions. Wow. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yeah, you get you get applause occasionally. <laughs> I've, I've been kind of uh, you know staying away from the soundboard as of late. Judicious, yes, <laughs> judicious choice. Does anybody have uh, any questions or anything they want to bring up about this this gala? Because it sounds like a really interesting and unique event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're so excited that Dancing Wheels um, is going to be coming to Toledo. It was something that was one of the unfortunate casualties of the pandemic they were scheduled to appear in toledo back in april of 2020 i think mm -hmm. and so it's wonderful that we have this opportunity to bring them back and in something that's so um integrated with the toledo ba ballet's um curriculum and i think it's just going to be a wonderful feature so 
absolutely excited about that. That's mm-hmm. great, yeah. Now, th- w- talk about the music a little bit that they use in this dance. I mean, are they bringing their own music? How does that work? Yeah, so Dancing Wheels um, is performing to recorded music, music of Vivaldi and also Oliver Arnold's. Um, if you recall, back in September, we featured right. some of his music in um, – September. Uh, and then our dancers are, we have one piece, um, the, the, well, the name of the piece is the swan, but the name of the choreography is dying swan. And it's, um, it's kind of interesting because it was never a part of Swan Lake and everyone kind of thinks that it is, but it's not. And it's music by Camille Saint-Saëns. And we have two students from our private lesson program and school of music, uh, that are accompanying one of our company dancers performing that piece so it's gonna be really nice to have that live music on stage yeah and and the swan is as you mentioned not swan like but it is carnival of the animals right and the costuming is a sort of throw to odile odile from swan lake so yeah a little that's where some of the confusion, I think, comes in. <laughs> Maybe there's no confusion. Maybe I'm the only one that's confused. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm perpetually confused. <laughs> um, now, let's do the first part of our quiz, right? Because we're going to navigate away from uh, the dancing program and talk a little bit about the percussion-laden Spanish program, Stories from Spain. That's why Keith is here to talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, let's do... Five questions here. These are uh, questions that are related to tango. It's called the Tango Trivia Quiz, right? Anybody here a a tango dancer? Oh, every weekend, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Elaine? Hi, Elaine. (laughs) Hi. Hi, Hi, everybody. He's there. Uh, No, I I know kind of the basic moves, but I'm not very good. I mean, I I spent a lot of, being Canadian, I spent a lot of vacation in Cuba. (laughs) And and I just learned to Latin a little bit, but tango is a whole other ball game. So, no, it's uh, not uh, not a big tango dance. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't think Merwin is either. So you all are on a, the the same level playing field. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, he's still gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Let's get some music up here. Um, here we go. It's kind of more cha-cha than it is tango, but... <laughs> I guess you right. didn't cast a wide enough net. <laughs> yeah, or I just didn't spend enough time looking for music. You gonna okay. find any piazzola? <laughs> Question number one. Which of the following is not true about tango? It is a social dance that originated in the 1880s along the Rio de la Plata. The tango was frequently practiced in the brothels and bars of ports, where business owners employed bands to entertain their patrons with music. The word tango comes from a Latin verb, which means to touch. A, B, or C. Now, where I didn't explain this to you, Anne, but the way that it works is you just write down your choice. That's what the little notepad is there for. And at the end, we'll come back, find out how we did and Elaine, I expect you to be honest and tell us the truth, okay? So A, B, or C. <laughs> okay. Question number two. How long did the longest documented tango last? Was it 19 hours and 30 minutes? 
Was it 38 hours and 30 minutes? Or was it 57 hours and 30 minutes? A, B, or C? Next question, how many different types of tango are there? Your choices are one, eight, and 17. A, B, or C, one, eight, or 17. Which Scandinavian country lends its name to a style of tango? Is it Finland with Finnish tango? Is it Norway with Norwegian tango? Or is it Sweden with Swedish tango? A, B, or C, Finland, Norway, or Sweden? And finally, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, who was the oldest competitive ballroom dancer in the world? Would it be Fred Salter, who was 100 years old? Would it be Sam Pepper, who was 97 years old? Or was it Twitchy McPixie? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. There was uh, Donald O'Connor, actually, the actor. You know Donald O'Connor, right? He was 78. So which of those three, A, B, or C? Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Which of the following is not true about tango? The word tango, nobody knows really where it comes from. There are all kinds of different theories. So the correct answer was C. Everybody gets C? I did. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, that's a wash. Good luck. We won't count that one because everybody got it. All right. No, 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 not everybody got it. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> was, Pixie oh, was going to sit here quietly, but Pixie got called out. Here, let me change the music up. Okay. There we go. See, now that's a tango I can do. Okay. This is an Irish tango. The Fino Tango. Okay. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, how long did the longest documented tango last? The answer is B, 38 hours and 30 minutes Yay. in 2014. Who got that one? I did. <laughs> got it. Okay, well, that was a wash. So far, Keith is negative one. Keith is using the Scantron method. <laughs> There's the same answer down the... I did. <laughs> but that, that's brilliant. I wish I'd have known that when I was taking the SATs 40 years ago. Okay. How many different styles of tango are there? I really... I'm not sure because I got so many different answers. Um, Wikipedia says 17, which is C. Um, main styles on some websites say eight. Nobody says one. Did anybody oh. go for one? I went eight. 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 I went eight. I, I went seventeen. So I I get that one. Okay. Well, you guys all get it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay. Which Scandinavian country? Oh, we lost that. Let's find some other music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Comes Elaine. We're gonna steal your thunder, <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> Which uh, Scandinavian country lends its name to a style of tango? That would be Finland. Hey, uh, Finnish uh, tango. Well, didn't get it. I was hoping for a Danish tango. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody get it? No. That sounds delicious. No, though, it doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Danish tango. Yeah. You may be on to something. I'm going to make a cocktail called that. You have to mention that to Susan Platts next time she comes here. She can she can whip up in her bakery. Oh no, we have a resident mixologist who can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get a Danish. Oh wait a second. Over. Here, you know, this is so typical. Vanessa, you were thinking of a drink, and I was thinking of a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> totally typical. In the meantime, Anne is over there dancing in her chair. I to told you, it's fast <laughs> music. Cool music. I still. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. 
Okay, final question here. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, who is the oldest competitive ballroom dancer in the world? That would be Fred Salter, who was 100 years old when he passed all the official examinations. I mean, the list of different dances that he performed are, are huge. He had a 99.75 score out of 100 in both the ballroom and Latin categories. So that's pretty amazing for a 100-year-old, right? We'll give a little yay for him. Yay! <laughs> I love I love seeing like these viral videos of these tiny tiny little kids doing competitive Latin ballroom dancing. It is the cutest thing. And yeah. they just whip around that floor. It's so cute. <laughs> well, I was in Argentina, I think around 2000, something like that. I, I was in Buenos Aires for a while singing at the Teatro Colón. And I went to a, I found a taxi driver and I said, take me to a, a you know, take me to a, a tango club. And I saw all of these people. I just sat on the side like a little wallflower watching all these people dancing and ranging in uh, age from small children who were there with their parents all the way to grandpa and grandma. And it was also – it was so beautiful. It was wonderful. And I just remember that it was so hot, you know, in that room. (laughs) Couldn't breathe. But uh, really, really an amazing experience. It's a beautiful dance. And uh, we'll have a – Second half of our quiz about tango coming up a little bit later. There's still a chance. Wait, who won that round? Um, What was the answer to number five? It was, I know the answer, but it was A. A. Did we do number five? Yeah. Yeah, number five was Fred Salter. That was A. A. Yeah. Okay. Did you get that one? No, no. Okay. <laughs> but thanks sure. again for dragging me out on that one, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> I think oh, you well. called yourself out on that. One. <laughs> you know, you should just say yes to everything. Yes. Right. Okay. So, uh, Keith, tell us about this other concert. This is uh, the Historias de España, which is uh, stories from Spain. It's happening on Saturday night at eight o'clock p.m. at the Paris style. So, one of these I should also mentioned that the uh, Dancing Wheels concert is at the Valentine Theater. I don't know if we made that clear. It's at a different venue than you usually are performing. So that's at the Valentine Theater. And then on Saturday, the Spanish Stories program with the symphony is at the Paris style. Okay. And you're here, Keith, because of the Chedron Suite based on uh, themes from Carmen. And there's a lot of percussion that's going on there. You want to give us a little backstage uh, info? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that coming. some backstage music. <laughs> yeah. You need some backstage music? I don't know if I have. We'll have to go with one of Ann's uh, rejects here. Yeah. Yeah, now we got Ann dancing <laughs> in her chair again. Okay, what do you say, Keith? So, the Carmen Suite. <laughs> do my best, Barry. Yeah. You know, I... I uh, thought that was Wolfman Jack, actually. That was pretty good. I, uh, I did look this over last night to get the number of instruments because it's going to look like a percussion yard sale. Uh, <laughs> nice, good the, one. The pe- Yeah, the piece itself uses almost 40 percussion instruments. So, what? Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, uses pretty much everything we own and a couple of of a few things uh so it's going to be very entertaining the carmen um i just wanted to say that yeah, of course it's based on bizet's carmen or george bizet um, <laughs> yes and, along with mozart 
<laughs> that was actually the first opera I ever went to. And <laughs> really? I have a, yeah, I have a very, uh, there's a special place in my heart for Carmen because my mother took me. And I don't remember what age I was, but I must have been like 10 years old or something. Wow. And uh, I was just infatuated by everything I saw. And it's actually my favorite opera to play as a percussionist because there's just a lot of playing in it. The uh, guy who is conducting or has conducted um, the opera, Toledo Opera, Traviata, uh, conducted me and Carmen many years ago. Oh, is that right? And actually I sang it in a university musical society. Huh. Somebody posted an old program a couple of years ago and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember going to <laughs> Ann Arbor and singing it with... Uh, well, let's hear some of it, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. As soon as the microphones are off, I'll, I'll sing some for you. Take you a trip down memory lane. Yeah, it's um, it, the piece itself, I think, is going to be very entertaining. We have, yeah. um, I, I don't know how much you want me to get into the weeds, but we have all of our mallet instruments, everything from chimes to vibraphone, marimbas, xylophone, bells. We have five bongos, five tom-toms, four timpani, Three snare drums, two bass drums. It's just, it's just a huge amount of stuff. So you have, you said forty plus instruments. Yes, is that right? And yes. how many players do you have? Four. Only oh, four players. So right. you each have, on average, ten instruments. That no, you have to... actually, I play thirty-nine, and the other guys all show one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Excellent. just that good, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was getting to. What, what's the most exotic uh, instrument in that little encyclopedia? Most of it is traditional. Yeah. Um, I would say maybe the the strangest little sound we'll get is the guiro, which some people call the fish, and it's a gourd with ridges cut in it that you play with a, a stick that you would recognize the sound if you don't yeah. know, if you don't know the instrument. I yeah. am I am quite good at that instrument actually. That right? <laughs> yes. Well, All it's right. just rubbing a stick up and down the, the fish, Don't right? Don't say it like that. No. Well, the other three guys are playing that. Rhythm. If you want to join them, you certainly can. Yeah. Five percussionists. I, I played that frequently on a trip to the Dominican Republic some I'm years kidding. ago. Oh, that's awesome. You could, you could, you know, It was leave. a vacation. <laughs> yes. With plenty of, uh, what's that drink you were making up? <laughs> the tango or uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the drink Danish that makes tango. you play the... the is it Guiro or Guiro? Uh, you know, we say Guiro. Okay. I think, yeah. The drink like, that makes you play it in the Dominican Republic is called Mama Juana. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Mama's got <laughs> a Juana. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Next topic. Um, <laughs> and it's not W-A-N-N-A. It's oh. J-U-A-N-A. Okay. Poor <laughs> Anne is sitting there thinking, boy, how do they ever get anything out of this that's, that's usable on the radio? <laughs> Right. I, I can make a dance connection with this piece, actually. Um, I was chatting with a friend, and I, I said, have you conducted this piece before? He said, oh, about 35 times. I was like, why so many? And um, the Boston Ballet um, resident choreographer, Yor Yorma Ello, choreographed it for Boston Ballet. So that is the um, the Shedron Carmen is in Boston Ballet's repertoire, which I thought was very interesting. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, and, and that's a piece that is often staged as a ballet, right? Um, it's beautiful music, but re really this particular suite is very – accentuates the dancing elements mm -hmm. that are inherent in the score. And, you know, Keith, I'm sure you agree a lot of that has to do with percussion, right? I'd like to think so. <laughs> I'd like to think we're relevant. <laughs> yeah. Elaine, uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, this Carmen suite? Have you ever conducted this before? 
Yeah, it's, it's a group. First of all, it's a great piece. I love the piece. It's uh, what's interesting about it is that uh, well, first of all, it's an, an arrangement of the tunes for common. It's really uh, a piece of its own. You know, of course, you recognize some of the themes, but and it's not a pastiche. It's not a joke. It's not like. But it's <clears throat> what's really interesting is that he wanted to stay Shedrin as far away as possible, and the instruments or the things that are idiomatic from the opera, for example. There's a lot of wind solos, wind soloists. You know, like if you, if you have the uh, each of the the prelude or the intermezzo, yeah, the intermezzo uh, in uh, in Carmen, they're they're always like a flute solo or then an oboe solo, clarinet, uh, so lots of harm. He took all of those away to find a new, a new, a new language to to talk about Carmen, to talk about. The music of that so that's very interesting and also there's a a little bit of the how do you say uh, necessity being the mother of invention in this because in the bolshoi theater where, where i wrote it um they had a lot of strings and a lot of percussion and the percussion yeah they're used a lot in carmen uh as keith said but then they were just there and he was trying to find them something really interesting to do and he, he created this to, to get them because as as Keith said, it's one of the percussion players' favorite operas. They have so much interesting stuff to do in it. So uh, he just went a step ahead and wrote a piece for them. So that's uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things around that. But it, it's it's important to know that it's uh, a very inspired by it, and you recognize the tunes, of course. But it's not like an arrangement. It's a it's really a piece of its own. Do you want to talk about any of the other works on here? I mean, the three-cornered hat by Manuel de Falla, everybody is probably more familiar with that than they are with the Fandangos by Roberto Sierra, who is a wonderful well, composer, I, by the way, who who's not performed all that often by uh, symphony orchestras. Well, I can talk about um, maybe, uh, if that's all right, Merwin, do you, you want to take the Sierra and I take sure. uh, Okay, I'll... Uh, so uh, maybe I go first. Is that okay? Since I'm I'm already talking. So, uh, <laughs> you mean you, you mean a conductor who's monopolizing the attention? Oh my God! Never seen that. Okay, <laughs> so sorry about that, guys. <laughs> it's just since we were talking about, it. and it, you know, for me, I have a very special place in my heart uh, for this uh, <laughs> this three cornered hat because it's actually. I, when I got off the plane in, in Spain and the, the first, the, well, the orchestra job I had there when I was young in my teenage years, I, I got off the plane, I got, I sat in the orchestra, the first thing we played was that. So it was like total immersion. <laughs> and they played it in a style that we don't play anymore. Uh, like the oboes were like really like uh, almost creamish, you know. And it was, it was great. And that, that type of music, of course. And uh, it, it felt like some of it, like, you know, was music you would hear in the streets because they have lots of wind bands on the streets there. So uh, yeah, it was very natural for them. So I've been programming this piece a lot in, in the, the past. I usually, I you know, I cannot, I can't conduct every program. So... I leave some programs to, to colleagues, but this is one of the, my favorite one, one of my favorite pieces. It also has an immense percussion array in this piece. Sometimes I wonder if there, there's not uh, at least as many, except the clavier instrument, but there, there must be as almost as many as in the Carmen piece. So I, I thought this is also a good link between uh, the Chedrin, uh, Carmen, and uh, the three-cornered hat. Uh, the story is a little bit silly. So I, uh, you know, I, I never really got uh, super interested about the story, about 
you know, the Miller and that. It's it's always an imbroglio, you know, like, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, it's, the, 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 you know, the politician is worrying, uh, is going to bed there. Oh, and then uh, the Miller, he, he, he wears his clothes and people think it's him. And they go, that's a little bit uh, silly. So that's not the, the biggest part for me. The biggest part for me is the colors. And it's also the, you can see, uh, it's going to sound a little bit silly what I say, but you can feel the temperature of, of Spain in the harmony and, and, and the way the music is brought up. And the fact that, you know, you hear it at the beginning, it's kind of a little laid back music, like mid-afternoon. It's a little warm. We're not going to work. We're taking a little siesta. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you can feel that. And it's nice because it takes you, it makes you travel. If you're sitting, I remember first time I played, I was sitting there, I was going, well, I was there, of course. But, but I felt like, wow, this is something else. This is completely outside. First time I heard it on record, the same. I was listening to it. I said, wow, this is so different. It's beautiful. It's very melodic. But uh, we don't play enough Spanish repertoire. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you play the Aranguas concerto for guitar, yes, but we don't play enough of those great Spanish composers. And I thought this is something we could put together uh, and uh, for public to enjoy. I had forgotten that you spent time in Spain early in your your career, so a lot of Mm -hmm. this is from direct experience. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was amazing. (laughs) It was a yeah, I have many stories, but I don't want to take. (laughs) You've told some stories before on the show. I was hoping you you had something you could tell us this time. I have an amazing story about Argentina. You were talking about. Oh, I have a few stories about Argentina as well. (laughs) But it's way too long, and the program is way too early. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Merwin, you want to fill us in on this composer, Roberto Sierra, because not a lot of people are familiar with him, although he is, you know, a fixture of the, of the new music community, not so much in the concert hall. Well, I hope that changes. I yeah. think he's he's an amazing composer. He's from Puerto Rico. Um, actually, much of his music is, is inspired by Latin dance, but this particular piece, Fandangos, is inspired by a Spanish dance, which kind of felt like it was the right piece to kind of be yeah, this program. the Fandango. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Olé. <and, laughs> by the way, everybody feel free to say, you know, interject at Olé if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> and he's actually... I, I would say that his his star is very much on the rise. He's done he's done some really great um, collaborations with the National Symphony Orchestra, and he had um, the Misa Latina mm-hmm. that 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 came up very recently. Um, that's 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 just an amazing piece, and um, the chance to do this piece, I think it's it's going to be exciting for yeah. our, for our audience to hear. It's a very very accessible piece. It has. One of my favorite tempo markings I've ever seen. Um, well, I, I mean, not really a tempo marking, an expressive marking. And uh, most of musical terms are in Italian. And the um, primary um, definition for this piece is con garbo, with garbo. elegance. But like, uh, it, you know, um, like Greta Garbo, exactly. Yeah. And so you you immediately kind of get that you know that sense of it conjures up that sense of elegance, elegance and, and, yeah. and, you know, like this kind of velvety undertone to this piece. It's a <laughs> wonderful piece of music. It starts off also kind of um, on the backside of the beat and, you know, yeah. 
and then it, there's this inevitable, in a, in a weird way, kind of like Ravel's Bolero, there's this inevitable creep towards the front side of the beat and it gets more and more exciting. And it's just a, it's a wonderful en- ending to it. So well, very, it, very it's, cool it, it's certainly no Danish tango, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely worth listening to. Now, when I say, you know, he's not played that often in the concert hall, you, Merwin, and I, and all the other musicians, mm-hmm. In the room are certainly very familiar with Roberto Sierra, um, but I think that it, programming his music kind of speaks to this ongoing idea at the symphony. And Elaine, you can chime in with this if you want, of uh, introducing an audience to composers they may not be that familiar with. I mean, that's part of your mission, yeah. Absolutely, it's uh, been part uh, for me. <laughs> Almost a life mission uh, yeah. that I that I've been doing on every program that, that I've done. Maybe it comes from my my uh, trombone player origins because mm-hmm. you know I spend the entire time introducing people to music they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been a percussionist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's the same battle. But yeah. um, I no, but I the, the, the great thing with, of course, symphonic music is that we do have a lot of that people do know and love and and we always have that saying you know that like zach likes to say is that you know we uh, you often go to a concert for something in particular like people say oh my three-cornered half as you mentioned you know we know it i haven't heard it for a while in concert i really like that piece and maybe you walk out of there talking about the sierra or talking about more about the carmen by shedrin so it's uh it's interesting you have like a known quantity that you know and love, and you're ready to discover other things. I mean, it's important to have something that is well-balanced for a public, you know, that's not just complete. It depends. I mean, if we do a series that that is called, like, Discoveries, then, then the title says it. But in our regular concert, we like to really introduce some, uh, some new things, uh, you know, next to things we know and love already. So at the end of the, at the, end of the concert, you have many things that you know and love. This concert is happening, I should mention again, on Saturday evening at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Paris-style Historias de España, or Stories from Spain, is the title of the program. You can find more information at ToledoSymphony.com or call up the box office at 419-246-8000. And on Friday at 7.30 p.m., this is in the Valentine Theater, the Toledo Ballet is presenting a gala with the Dancing Wheels Company, an inclusive dance company, and they bring together both uh, dancers with and without disabilities for this one-night-only performance at the Valentine. Um, now, I want to go to the second half of our tango quiz, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, dance and what's going on with Toledo Ballet, but let me pull up some music first of all. Uh, let's see... Yeah. An oldie but a goodie. Okay. At least it's not the minute waltz. Yeah. Well, I do have oh, the minute waltz. Oh, come on. Waltz, no, 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 no. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Here we go. One minute. Speaking of Guinness World Records, which we were last time, the tango spins, the most tango spins achieved in 60 seconds is 37. It actually took place on a daytime TV show. What was the show? Was it The Ellen Show? Was it live with Regis and Kelly? Or was it the Rachel Ray show, A, B, or C? Yeah, okay, we're tired of that. <laughs> it was hard to think. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, w- I was in such a hurry, I finished it and there were 30 seconds left of that minute waltz. 
Okay, what date is the International Day of Tango? The International Day of Tango is either on 9-11, 10-11, or 12-11, A, B, or C. And whose birthday does this International Day of Tango celebrate? Is it Carlos Cardell? Tito, Tito Marullo? Oh my goodness, let me try that again. Carlos Cardell, Tito Morello, or Julio Souza? A, B, or C? Okay, here's a triple true or false. You just tell me if it's true or if it's false. I'm going to give you three different statements here. Tango was originally an all-male dance. Is that true or false? During a tango, you should not look each other in the eyes. True or false? Asking someone to dance a tango is considered an insult. (laughs) True or false? I will never ask anybody to dance a tango with me. (laughs) Okay. Argentina was one of the first countries to have what? Was it radio? Was it TV? Or was it silent movies? A, B, or C. And we do have a bonus question, which is worth two points. Argentina was also the first country to manufacture what? Is it stop signs, animated films, or clove cigarettes? A, B, or C. Okay. Now let's go back. (laughs) Did you use the Scantron method? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Keith, this is your chance to catch up. Two behind. Maybe more, I don't know. I I wasn't keeping a really good track. Okay, number one, Guinness World Record for the most spins was on a daytime TV talk show. What was the show? It was B, Live with Regis and Kelly. Live with Regis and Kelly. Everybody get that? I did. Anybody not get it? You did not? not. How about you, Keith? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I did not. Yes, I did not. <laughs> I could tell by the way you said it. Okay. What date is the International Day of Tango? It is on December 11th, 1211. Anybody get 1211? I did not. Uh, wow. <laughs> Elaine, you, Was that need, real? you need to lay off the helium. <laughs> I am not. I'm a helper here. Uh, yeah, I know. Good job, guys. Aww. <laughs> that was Never actually, gets old. That was on my soundboard. And and thinks it was actually <laughs> Elaine's daughter talking on the It was. Phone, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Whose birthday does the International Day of Tango celebrate? It is A, Carlos Gardel, right, who was born on December 11th. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, true or false? Tango was originally an all-male dance. It is true. The goal was to be the leader. It was like a a fight, a symbolic fight between gentlemen. During a tango, you shouldn't look at each other in the eyes. That is true. You should also not talk or smile when you're dancing a tango. I mean, I read it on the internet. It has to be true. <laughs> Anna was looking at me, you know. No, I thought all three had to be true or false. Well, I they, misunderstood the yeah. question. Well, did you say false or true? We'll get to the third one. And okay. <laughs> Asking someone to dance a tango is, is also considered an insult, and that is true. They were all true. Oh, man. This is hilarious. So did you pick true or false? I picked false. Me oh. too. Oops. Oops. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay. That one's a wash. 
Well, the third one, asking someone to dance tango, I mean, if you ask them out loud, that's the insult oh. part. Uh, you should be able to communicate without, you know, actually so it's talking to each other. somewhat of a manipulative question. But you're yeah. also not... Welcome s- to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also not supposed to look them in the eye. Yeah, you can't look them in the eye. You can't talk or smile. <laughs> You can't ask them to dance with you. You basically can't do anything in tango. It's kind of like, like conducting. A little, a little nudge. <laughs> Are you, did you hear that, Elaine? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I didn't get it. I also... Oh, it never gets old. I didn't get it either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, we still have some more questions here. All right. Argentina was one of the first countries to have what? Actually, it was radio. Oh, so close. They made their first broadcast in 1920. There were only 20 people that had a radio back then in Argentina. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that I knew. And and now now Argentinians are like the highest per capita users of radio in the world, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. I read somewhere that Toledo was the highest per capita user of satellite radio in the country, which is interesting. Okay, and for this your is bonus an educational program. Yes, indeed. Yes. Well that's what these quizzes are all about. I have learned a lot. You're yes. learning a lot about tango, right? No, no I haven't learned anything about <laughs> tango. No, just kidding. Okay, last question. <laughs> bonus question. Argentina was also the first country to manufacture what? Well, it's not stop signs because they still don't have stop signs. <laughs> they don't have stop lights or stop signs for a lot of streets. I can tell you from personal experience. Um, closed cigarettes were actually invented in Indonesia. So they made animated films. The first one that was totally animated came out in 1917. Unfortunately, it was destroyed in a fire in 1928. So you can't go YouTube spelunking and, and find it that way. But uh, they do have that distinction of being the first to uh, manufacture animated films. Did anybody get to that one, by the way? I did not. No? Nope. Twitchy, how did you do? I, I, I did, but it was totally luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, the cigarettes I knew because I've been there. <laughs> it was, if it was invented, they would use it. <laughs> How'd you do, Anne? It depends on if you get three points off for missing number four. (laughs) I'm confused already. I was told there would be no math. (laughs) I think Anne won the quiz. Yeah, the guests always win the quiz. And because Keith has been here before, Anne triumphs. Yay, Anne. So we'll give you another round of applause. (laughs) 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 Just throw that in for good measure. Um, tell us, Anne, a little bit about what's going on with Toledo Ballet. They have like summer stuff going on or summer programs. We do. Yeah, we yeah. have a variety. The nice thing is you have we have programming for every age, for specific summer programming for and up. So you could do a dance camp if you're four and five. You could do a dance camp if you're six to six and up. Or there's what we call intensives, which kind of describe how the program works. We have a one week. Um, junior intensive, which would be for maybe a 10 and 11 year old. The ages are dependent upon their abilities. And then we have the intensive, which would be for more of the intermediate and advanced dancer. 
Well, I was curious if you have like the senior citizen classes, <laughs> senior citizen discount. There are three adult classes that we're offering this yeah. summer. <clears throat> so I, I you started. You have to be an adult, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a grown up. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, we have a beginner adult class, uh, an intermediate adult class. Actually, there might be four. Um, and then the variety. And class. then we're, we're doing something new this year where I think it's every Monday, uh, a, an adult drop in and the teachers are rotating um, what is being taught and who is teaching it. So you could drop in on a Monday and take tap. You could drop in on a Monday and take jazz or hip hop wow. or ballet. Um, so they're really looking forward to, to teaching that and to take each other's class. And um, it's just something something new to offer it's interesting yeah play within the summer so yeah totally and it sounds like you know a lot of fun yeah too yeah as well well people can find more information about that at uh, toledoballet.com right toledoballet.com registration can, is open and you can find information on these two concerts we've been talking about today at toledosymphony.com or toledoballet.com for the uh, dancing wheels program that is happening on Friday night, 7.30 p.m. at the Valentine Theater. And the Spanish program is happening Saturday at 8 p.m. in the Toledo Museum of Art Paris style. Both concerts can be found online, as I mentioned, at toledosymphony.com or by calling the box office at 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at toledosymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks to Elaine Trudell, Merwin Sue, Vanessa Gardner, and our special guests Anne Heckler and Keith McWaters. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 81.